Thank you for joining us at the Center for Spiritual Living. We hope you enjoy this podcast, and for further information, please visit us at spiritualliving.org. Wow, I love that song. Oh, lend, lend your voices to life uncommon. And maybe that sort of sets up the theme for this whole month, and this is the last time I will be speaking about this this particular subject, the theme is setting ourselves up for success, which is a life uncommon, by the way. Now, let me define success. Success is having what you say you want, having what you really want, which I'll get to in a minute, and letting yourself be fulfilled, letting yourself be satisfied. Hmm. And I'm not sure how many people would say that they're really fulfilled or really satisfied. The latest statistics I heard, was, and this was in the early 2020, is that 60% of the population in the United States would consider themselves depressed. 60%. That's not a satisfying life. That's a life common. If it's 60%, that's a life common, not a life uncommon. So let's go for an uncommon life, a life of satisfaction, success, fulfillment, a, a, a life of contentment. To do that, I want to start out with a quote. And the quote explains, I guess, the premise for all of this. And I'll just get to the premise now, and then I'll give you the quote. The premise is that... We are an expression of that, that oneness that they sang about, that Beverly and Gardner sang about. That one mind, that one life, that one love, that one existence. We are an expression of it. We are an emanation of it. We're the place where it shows up. Rabbi, Rabbi Shapiro, when asked how he would define God, he said, God is what's happening. And so I think that We grow spiritually when we are aware of what's happening. We're aware of how that law and that principle is working in our life. We're aware of what's happening. We're aware of God. And that's really uncommon. But that expression is creative, and it has been from the beginning. And we, perhaps, are created to be consciously aware of what's happening. Because wouldn't it be wonderful if you were the divine and you could also be aware of yourself? <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. That's a lot of philosophical stuff. But, but if we don't buy the guy in the sky anymore, then God is that oneness that connects everything and we are an intricate part of that oneness. And newness shows up through us and as us and with us and by us. And it doesn't happen to us. We participate in newness We participate in creation, and we were set up to succeed. Just like the oak tree was set up to succeed, and the animals are set up to succeed, and the earth is set up to succeed, and as long as there is this awareness that it is happening in a right way, then it succeeds, it it being creation, existence, 
Only human beings could say, nope, mm-mm. No, only human beings can consider themselves other than the one. And therefore, only human beings can separate themselves from the successful expression of that one. That's the story of the prodigal, uh, prodigal son. I'm going to call it child because you know what? I bet there's some daughters that have left too. But there's a separation from that. And then the prodigal son or daughter were, were on their own. And we are often on our own because we're not allowing ourselves to be supported by that one. We can sing about it, but are we willing to lean into it and let it live through us? Now, that's a life uncommon. A lot of people live their life, and then on Sunday, they think about God. Well, they live their life, and then, you know, once in a while, they'll, they'll hear a nice affirmation, and they'll think about God. Instead of the uncommon life, which is we rest we live, we move, or have our being in this, and we're aware of it, and we sing songs like there's only one life, and there's only one love, and there's only one existence, there's only one being, and we live from that place. That's a life uncommon. Boy, I love that song. We should have a whole, you know, I could do a whole series. If I was a professor, I'd, I'd study that song, and we'd lay it all out. <clears throat> now, the quote this is from Judge Thomas Troward. My mind is a center of the divine operation. The divine operation is always for expansion and fuller expression. So that's true. The oak tree, its existence is about expression and fuller expression. And fuller expression. It is to not only have a crop of acorns this year, but more a, crop, a bigger crop next year. Bunnies. Expansion and fuller expression. Everything is about expansion and fuller expression if it is alive. Even the earth is shifting. It is what's true of our divine being, not necessarily our human habits. Because we are a spiritual being having a human experience. We can say that like a platitude, but we live as though we are a human being hoping to have a spiritual experience. It's where we put our attention that will produce the result. When she says, Jewel in that song, we uh, don't lend our strength to that which we wish to be free from. And our strength comes from our attention and our cooperation and our habitual thinking we lend our strength to our human weaknesses and frailties instead of our spiritual essence and powers. I mean, Paul said we should live from glory to glory. Whew. Now that's a tall order. There was a minister from, um, I think it was uh, Detroit, who said we need to live from good to gooder, which makes sense. If we're not experiencing good or glory, we might want to expand what we're putting our attention on, on those things that are glorious and good. We need to set ourselves up for success. Now, why don't we do that? We do that because we have some habitual human habits of playing small. We just acquired them along the way. It's not part of our spiritual essence, our spiritual DNA, but 
It's what we've lended our strength to. And I'd like us to become free from, or at least I want to become free from it. I talk about this because I want to be free from it. And if it resonates with you, hallelujah, let's get free together. <laughs> you know, we're all in a 12-step program. Hi, I'm Kathy Ann, and I have been limited. No, I am Kathy Ann, and I am limited. But one day at a time, I am breaking those chains of limitation. Now, I'm going to share four limitations with you that you probably know about, your friends know about. People do. They just do them. The first one is, we discount our wants. We discount what our heart desires. We, we don't pay attention to what's the divine urge in us. We play small by never really, really, really playing the game of, I would like this, I want this, I need this. For those of you that know me, this comes from the teaching of Emma Curtis Hopkins, which, which is basically the first step is, just name your good. Just name it. What is it? What do you want? Name it. But we don't. Many of us name the wrong thing if we do name it. And there's a couple of reasons why, and I want to share them with you. One, oftentimes human beings, because we want to look good and we want to succeed, we start out with figuring out what we can accomplish and then naming that. Like, I can accomplish this, so I will name that as my goal. Which doesn't make us expand much because we in and of ourselves, once again, we're humans, we're limited. You know, one of the things that I invite people to do at the first of the year is to have a big, hairy, audacious intention or goal. Big, hairy. And one of the reasons that I would love to have a big, for all of us, myself included, to have a big, hairy, audacious intention is because a big, hairy, audacious intention needs God to have it come about. If you of yourself can't, can do it, then just do it. Just do it. And then, you know, check it off and give yourself credit. But to have something that is beyond what you think you can do means that you have to cooperate with the divine to do it. And then you grow in your realization of connection with the divine. Yahoo! Now that's the, that's the bonus prize. Really. Another one is that many, one, another reason why we don't name our good is that we do not name what we really want. We name what we think we should want. What seems appropriate to want around spiritual people or whatever. I've done quite a few um, workshops at Rainbow Lodge. Remember when we got to meet and be together in a room? Oh, geez, those, those were the good old days, da-da-da-da-da-da. Anyway, eventually it will happen again. But I would have these workshops over the weekend, and uh, usually they had a, a money theme. And if I throw money out there, people sign up right away. If I throw money out there, it's a full retreat. But when I really work with people and I really ask them what they want... And I asked them to ask themselves deeply what they want. I would say only 5% of them wanted money. They, they didn't want money. They really didn't want money. They just thought that money is what you're supposed to want. Like, let's just have money. Like, money will solve anything. What is this? What? 
Is this a get-out-of-jail-free card, money? What's the use of money? Money is a means to an end, but it's not the end. And if you really want something, most likely you want the end. I had a friend who wanted to travel, and she wanted to go to exotic places. And we both worked together, and we had nice jobs, but not the kind of jobs that would support her habit desire for travel. But she went on a, a cruise with her sister. The sister paid for it, one trip free. The cruise director fell in love with her. And then every time she had a couple of days off, he would fly her to a port. They'd cruise for a while, and then she'd, they, he'd fly her home. So many free trips. It didn't take money. But she was very definite about what she wanted. I, I did my first workshop group, support group here in this center. Not this summer, but the summer before when we had just moved in and it was a money mastery. And I did the same process with a group of people. And I would ask them to really check inside with what they really wanted. And once again, maybe 5 to 10% wanted money, but most of them wanted something else. One woman... One woman, when she was really honest, she wanted freedom. And I said, freedom for what? Freedom. Like freedom? Like what kind of freedom? I want to just have my family leave me alone so I could go hiking in the woods. I just want to hike in the woods by myself. Now she has a big family. It had nothing to do with money. Money's just a, a kind of a catchy little... Phrase that metaphysicians throw out like we should all want it, we should all have it. Well, maybe you don't want it. It's free to go for a walk in the woods. <sighs> so take a moment now and just take a breath. And if I was in the room with you, I'd say, breathe deeply into your heart and let your heart speak. What does your heart want? And it might be nebulous, for her it started out like freedom. Freedom to what? For you it might be health. Health in what area? What is it that you really want? That begins the process of you accepting success and overcoming the human limit of saying what you should want or could want. No, what do you really want? What does your soul want? It speaks through the heart. The next thing that we do for a human habit to get in the way of our expressing success, one of the ways that we play small is that we play around in other people's heads. We figure out what other people will think of us if we had what we say we want. We figure out that this person wouldn't like us or that person wouldn't like us. And I'm not making this up. This is from experience. This is from me working with people, workshop after workshop, class after class after class, and they name their good, and then they get all crunchy with it. And when I get to them or work with them, it's oftentimes, there's two reasons they don't accept their good. One, they don't think they're worthy. That's another conversation. And two, they're afraid they'll offend someone, a neighbor, their, work, their, their co-workers, their mother, their father, their children, their spouse, 
long relatives in the past. Who knows? I played this game with people, and you play the game. Just play the game. Let's play the game. I said, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to imagine somebody gives you $20. And pretty much everybody in the room, I'm watching their faces, because I know what people are thinking by watching their faces. And pretty much everybody sort of smiles. <laughs> and then I said, now 100. Less people are smiling. Now somebody writes you a check and gives it to you. Lots less people smiling. In fact, hardly any. And, and then $10,000 check. Ooh, cringe. Ooh, cringe, cringe. I mean, you, I thought, it's almost like I asked them to imagine that they were eating something that would make them sick. They go, ooh. The looks on the faces, meh. And I'll go over to somebody else and say, what's going on? What are you thinking about? Either I'm not worthy or, ooh, I don't know what they'd think of me if I had this. I'm not sure what, what my fill in the blank will think of me if I had this kind of extra money. Whoo, who cares? Obviously you do, but you don't even really know what they're thinking. And if they're not in love with you as you are and with more and glory to glory, and if they can't live with that, then maybe they're not worth your attention. Don't give our strength to that which we want to be free from. And what we want to be free from is other people's opinions. So that you can inspire them to live with more success, satisfaction, and fulfilling your fulfillment themselves. I had this experience. I was in a sales job and my income kept going up and up and up. And then it went, flatline. I asked myself, what's going on? I didn't blame my my company, I didn't blame my clients, I didn't say I was no longer a good salesperson. I asked, why am I plateauing? And that came almost immediately, because you don't want to make more than your father because you'd embarrass him. Well, I wasn't going to tell my father what I made, and I didn't, had never told my father what I made. He didn't know what I made. I made it up. As human beings, we make up stories that are limiting because we know how to handle limits. The divine in us knows how to handle expansion. What are you going to do? What are you going to give your attention to? Your divine expansive self or your limited human self that just knows how to, you know, make do with what you got, which was my mother's thing. Boy, she prided herself in what she could make do with. <sighs> the next one. Stop playing not to lose. Now, we pay not to lose by not trying, not exploring, not doing new things. We only want to do the things that we'll look good at and do well right away. But if we only did things that we looked good at or looked good with or whatever, you're looking good, you're singing good. If we only do those things and we don't try something new, if that had been our habit as children, we would still be in a playpen gurgling and yelling and hoping somebody could interpret it as I need food or my diaper changed. Children, experiment, make mistakes, learn, experiment, make mistakes, learn, experiment. Oh, I'm, you know, this is my cooking experience. And I have failed so much at cooking recently. And for those of you, some of you watching, you know, I, until pandemic time, I wasn't much of a cooker. 
But when the universe sort of yanked my restaurants away from me, if I wanted to eat something other than uh, uh, apples and peanut butter and chips and dip, I needed to cook. And sometimes it turns out really, really good. Other times, my husband will say, well, not my favorite. <laughs> he's, he's <laughs> and I'll go, not my favorite either. <laughs> you just try new stuff. <sighs> I mean, you know, the universe tried out dinosaurs. It didn't work so well. But we are evolving. The universe is evolving. We can evolve if we want an experience of setting ourselves up for success, we need to know that we will fail, and that's part of the plan. In the last few years, I've tried poetry. I like one of them. I've tried art. Eight years ago, I went on sabbatical, and I didn't have anything to do, and so I was trying art stuff. And now I see what I did, and I don't like any of it. But I learn from it, and I'm getting better. Um, I'm learning a new way of riding, which is very technical and very precise, and I'm not good at it. And my horse gives me feedback all the time. <laughs> you know, I love it. My trainer says, well, you know, he did what you told him to do. Uh, he's really smart. <laughs> it's like, eh, I need to get better. <sighs> So stop playing not to lose. Lose, 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 lose. And you'll win, 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 win. And the last thing I want to say is we need to stop letting our past define us. Because I've noticed most people, if I talk to them, they will tell me their story and they will define themselves by their past, especially things that didn't go well. People talk more about what didn't go well than what went well. And what we should say is, well, if you had a hard pass, look, you overcame it. Let's talk about overcoming. Let's talk about that success. <sighs> Jewel, the, one, the, the woman who wrote the song, Life Uncommon, had, I didn't know until recently, had a really difficult childhood. But out of that, she became a great poet and a great songwriter and a great musician. And she doesn't mention her past very often. She sings forward. So let's take and do a meditation. You know, that's a lot of talk. But let's see if we can get back to that, which is an uncommon life. Let's take a deep breath. And I want you to join me with every breath as you exhale. Just let go of one of your definitions of yourself. Let go of one of your descriptions. Even if the description is great. Even if you like some of the things about you, just let it go. There's a meditation called forgiveness that some of us do. And it's, Father, Mother, God within, forgive my loves and my hates. 
my losses and my wins. And forgive means to just let me let it go. Let me let it go. So we let it all go. And what is left when we stop describing ourselves and defining ourselves? It's the memory of our connection to that one. We find that place within us where we can experience pure beingness, predicateless being. No definition, no description, just pure awareness. And let's just rest in that. And as we cultivate that awareness, we cultivate our memory of who we really are. We don't have to just sing about being an expression of love. We don't have to just sing about being an expression of life. It becomes actualized within us that we are the love, the life, the light of God. And we were created to succeed in giving the gift, the talent, the voice, the contribution that we have to give and contribute. We are already known in the mind of God as successful. Let us know that within our human mind now. Say that to yourself, I am a success because God succeeds as me through me now. I am a success because God succeeds in me as me through me now. And so it is.